Uh, last week, if you were here, uh, we started the book of Galatians, so go ahead and open back up to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to keep rolling uh, through that. Um, we're going to be, uh, I think it's verse 6, is where we're going to pick up. And tonight we're really, we're going we're gonna to see, we sing a song about this every once in a while, it's called The Simple Gospel, and we're going to see Paul's opinion on that. And last week we, we saw some of the, the details about what Paul was about to give us and how he was kind of warming up the crowd a little bit to give them some, some hard truth. And uh, some of the other things that we didn't get to see is just the, the basic breakdown of the way this book is. Most of the books that Paul wrote, the, the letters that he wrote, divide into two. There's, there's a doctrinal and then a practical. The first half is always doctrinal, the second half is always practical, but the Gal- book of Galatians is just a little bit different. Um, and the first third is, is personal, the first two chapters. And, and he kind of establishes, again, that relationship that he has with them in, in warming them up for some hard things, and he gets very personal, he gets very blunt with them. Uh, we'll see a little bit of that tonight. Then chapters 3 and 4 are very doctrinal. What that means is there's just a lot of key teaching, the, the doctrines, the understanding that, that we need to have from God's Word. I feel like I'm, that looks better now, I'm balanced. Uh, so the, the, the second third, chapters 3 and 4 are very doctrinal in nature, and then the last two chapters get very practical. How do we apply those things that we learn are true in our lives? And so that's kind of the breakdown. I wanted to give that last week, but forgot, so now you have it. Um, and then by way of review, I have just a, a sentence on there just to kind of catch you up. If you weren't here last week, uh, if, if we're going to receive hard truth, right? We, we saw that Paul was warming them up for some. It helps when the, the hard truth comes from someone who cares for us and someone who holds authority in our lives. Right? We saw those two things that Paul was reminding those churches. I have both of those roles to you. I am your authority because I'm an apostle is what he was saying. And I deeply care about you. I want you to grow in Christ. And so he established those two things. And the, the other key thing that we saw that we need to have is you can have the most loving parent who has authority over you and you can be stubborn and immature and not listen to a thing they say. Right? Or you can have someone who is unloving and really doesn't have authority over you, but you can be mature enough to, to glean important things that you could use to grow up yourself. Right? You, can, you can have maturity and, and gain things that you need from both sources. All right? So it really, it, it makes it easier when it, when it comes from somebody you know who cares. It makes it easier when they have authority in your life and they've established that, but we can still be mature and miss it. So that's, that's kind of what we saw last week. And so we're going to pick up In verse 6, so if you are in Galatians, read along with me. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
So let's just ask the Lord to, to lay out what he wants us to see about the simple gospel, what it is that we need to hold on to, and, and, and make sure that we're lined up with the way Paul is, is going to line this out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that, that you do let us have it from time to time because we need it. And you love us enough to give us the truth. You love us enough to tell us exactly how we need to hear it. And, and sometimes we don't want to hear it. We don't want to know the truth, but you always know when we need it, and uh, you know how to deliver it. And so I pray that you'd help us to have ears to hear and hearts that would be soft and ready to receive uh, what it is you have for us so that we can humble ourselves and you can lift us up and uh, we can be used by you and, and, and walk closely with you. Uh, I love you so much. I'm praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so on the study sheet, the first thing that we see there is that Paul defends the simple gospel. And the word gospel, who, who can tell me what that means? Good news, right? It means good tidings, but we don't generally use the word tidings that often unless it's like Christmas and we're singing a song about good tidings, right? Um, it, it means good news, right? If you, if you look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this will be up on the screen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's really good news that Christ has come to do those things. In Romans 10, 15, Paul says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's the gospel. It's glad tidings of good things. It's the gospel of peace. There's good news. You can be at peace with God. That's, that's phenomenal news. Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful... Upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth, publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. That's good news. You can be at peace with God, and, and by the way, he reigns. He's on the throne. That's the one you want to be at peace with. Amen. Ephesians 6.15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of, of the gospel of peace. This is a, a passage all about the armor of God, and, and you, can't, you can't go anywhere with the armor unless your, your feet are prepared. They're covered with the gospel of peace. One thing that, that I think is really important to notice is letter A here, into versus unto. What that means, the way Paul phrases this, the, the, the words that God chooses, he chooses on purpose. He didn't make any mistakes. He said what he wanted to say. He said it for a reason. Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Right? He's calling us to, to be inside of something, not just in front of something. The gospel of Christ places you in Christ. That's the good news, because when God looks at you, your sins have been forgiven because he sees his son. But if you're just unto the gospel, you never got it. Colossians 2, 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created 
in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You walk in good works because you are in Christ already. He says, you, you've been rem- removed, you, you've, you've messed this thing up, you've, you've gone to another gospel that's not in Christ. And so Paul's saying, I, I, I marvel at this. That's, this is different than the Marvel universe, right, with all the cool super- superheroes. This is actually a bad thing. Paul marveled at their immaturity. And the reason I say that, that it's immaturity is based upon what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, they understood the gospel. They gave their lives to Christ. They, they, they lived in Christ. And then somebody else came along and told them, well, you didn't get the whole thing. You also have to do these Jewish works to be saved. And they were all confused, and, and, and they quickly were tossed to and fro from, from every wind of doctrine. He says, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. James 1.6 says, let, let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. So an immature faith results in you being thrown back and forth by somebody else coming in and saying, well, you didn't get the whole thing. I had a guy that I, another great all story. That's all I've got. <laughs> when I worked at great all, I had a guy come up to me, ask me if I knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, absolutely, I do. And he said, oh, amen. Well, then all you got to do now is speak in tongues and it'll seal the deal. <laughs> uh, no, sir. That's not correct. You're adding to the simple gospel. And Paul has some harsh words for that. Don't, don't get caught up in that. You, you come to Christ, you get saved, someone tells you you didn't get, get all of it unless you do these good works, unless you keep it, unless you perform afterwards. You get confused, you get discouraged, you get distracted, and that's exactly what the devil wants. It's a simple message. It doesn't need to be confused and added to and taken away from. Paul isn't the only one that, that marveled at the unbelief of Christ's followers. Christ himself marveled in Mark chapter 6. This is a, there, there are two times that Scripture says that Christ marvels, and this is one of them. Chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, it says, He went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this, is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do there no mighty work. Think about that. This is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, could do no mighty work in that place, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. His response to their lack of faith was that he marveled. 
Jesus wants to perform miracles. He wants to show the people who he is. He, he can do nothing because of their lack of faith. All they see is the son of a carpenter, and they refuse their Savior. The, the other time that, that Christ marvels is in Matthew chapter 8. A centurion man in, in the Roman army has a servant that's fallen ill, and he sends for Jesus to heal his servant. And we pick up here in verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I can say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So there's two times that Christ marvels. One time it's at the absolutely unbelievable lack of faith of his hometown. And then the other time he marvels at this man who, who says, you just say the word, I know you're in control of all of the elements of this world. And it's no big thing for you to say, be healed and, and my servant will be healed. I understand authority, and I understand that you have it. You say the word. Those are two vastly different reasons for Christ to marvel. And this is an obvious question. Would you rather <laughs> have Jesus marvel at you for your lack of faith or because you just say, say the word, Lord, and, and I know it's the right thing to do, and, and you're in control of it? Because you understand authority so well that you don't need a detailed explanation. You know that he's in control. The question's obvious because the answer's obvious. Right? Secondly, Paul rebukes the perversion of the gospel. We'll jump back into the passage, verse 7. Paul rebukes this perversion. The twisting of the truth is what a perversion is, or an original intention. Uh, it says, which is not another. He, he says, you, you've turned to another gospel, but which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So he says, it is another gospel, it isn't another gospel. What, what is that, what's he saying? The point Paul's making is that there is no other gospel. If the word means good news, and you've gone to something else, it's not good news. Because nothing else can save you. Except the legit simple gospel that Christ presented. That's the only thing that can save you. So you can't say you went to another gospel. I went to another good news. Well, what's so good about it? Jesus isn't in that one. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, even if an angel is, you, is telling you that he was sent from heaven to say, hey, now you've got to be circumcised, fellas. Now you've got to be baptized also. Now you've got to keep these sacraments. Let that guy be accursed. We'll get to what that means in a minute. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. We know that gospel means good news, but what exactly is the news? Letter A is the gospel of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. We've touched on it 
But let's just, let's get some details here. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 gives us a full explanation exactly what it is. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So this is what he delivers to every church that he went to, every area he went to to start a church. This is the gospel Paul presented, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. I didn't, just, I didn't, I didn't tell you this is how you got saved, this is how Paul got saved. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for your sins and my sins. He was buried in the ground, and he rose victorious over them. That's the good news. The reason it's so good is because Romans 3.23 points out that there's some bad news. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, the the thing that Christ died for, our sins, that was the thing that was keeping us from God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we had no chance. He knew our sin had separated us. He knew... There was nothing we even wanted to do. Right? He, he died for you when you didn't want him to. Before you even had a clue. That's when he did it. He died for you and me when we had nothing to offer him back. He died for us. Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if somebody asks you if you're saved, have you done that? That's what's required. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not difficult. It's the simple gospel. It's it's belief and confession. Romans ten thirteen tells us for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not turning anyone away who turns to him for salvation. That's good news. And I put a box around that in your notes. That's the gospel. You ought to be able to present that to some people. You ought to be able to take those verses and explain and show someone, look, this is what God did for you. This is what God did for me. That's the gospel. Paul said, they were perverting it. They were twisting it. Deuteronomy 16, 19 says, thou shalt not rest judgment. To rest, if you put an L-E on the end of that, don't wrestle, don't twist, don't contort what God said is true. Judgment is a measurement against God's standard. Don't twist God's standard. Don't twist his word. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise, and pervert the words of righteousness, or of the righteous. Acts 13.10 said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? God takes very, very seriously 
when we say his word says something that it did not say, when we add to it, when we take away from it, when we twist it, he takes that very serious. And we have letter B, the resulting punishment. Galatians 5.10, later on, Paul's referring back to these same people that have been telling lies and adding to the gospel. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. You're going you're to get this straightened out. I know you will. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Whoever it is that brought you that false gospel, he's going to answer for that. Paul's not threatening him. Paul's just stating facts. God takes this very serious. He's not going to get away with it. And you can take that as a warning, too. Don't be standing next to that guy when God decides to bring judgment. I'm not saying God's going to strike him with lightning, but do you really want to be found on that guy's side when God says what he stands for is false gospel? That it's a lie, that he's twisted the truth? Don't be anywhere near it. Deuteronomy 21, 23, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. This is talking about someone who is hanged. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. Paul says, if you're going to twist the gospel, if you're going to add to that, if you're going to take away from it, let him be accursed. That's a very strong phrase. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? That if you are a sinner, you go to hell. Unless something forgives you. Unless Christ has redeemed you. Unless somebody steps in on your behalf and removes the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. He became sin for us. He took that sin on himself. Proverbs 30 Verses 5 and 6, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Who's the father of lies? Satan is what the Bible tells us. I don't want to be found in his camp. There's no way. Revelation twenty two eighteen. for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. He takes his word very, very seriously. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Don't twist it. Do you understand what Paul's saying here? This is going to sound like I'm cussing. Paul's saying if you're going to twist the gospel to hell with that and anyone that does that, It's not just a phrase that tells somebody you don't like them. He's saying that is the result of someone who twists God's word. Because that gospel cannot save you, and that's where you'll end up. Those are harsh and very strong words. And they're that way for a reason. Because what that is propagating is not salvation. It can't be. Paul says, do not mess around with it. Don't go there. I feel dirty now saying that. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's strong words because it's the right thing they needed to hear. 
So last, let's get the, to the third point here. Paul seeks to please God by persuading men. He finishes in verse 10, he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I, if I yet pleased men, should, or I should not be the servant of Christ. Letter A, to persuade men or to please them? That's the question, right? Why is it that we have such a hard time sharing the gospel? Because I want you to like me. And if I share that Christ wants to be your Lord and he wants to be in charge and he died for you, oh, and by the way, you're a sinner heading straight for hell, you might not like me. So, generally, I seek to please men. We're a bunch of people pleasers. We just are. Nobody likes to be disliked. If you don't like my hair, can't help that one. But if it's my attitude, maybe I can change that. Maybe I can do the things and say the things that you would like. Maybe I could root for the bills for a little bit just so Zach likes me, but we can't compromise the gospel. And by not sharing it, you have compromised it. You've taken away from it. You've taken it away altogether. To persuade men or to please men. For though I preach the gospel, 1 Corinthians 9, 16, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Acts 26.28 is, is a cool story where Paul's sharing his testimony to King Agrippa, and it's so sad. Because in verse 28, King Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You know what Paul could have said? Well, then almost you had eternal salvation. Almost. Our job is to persuade men. Our job is to persuade people to to let them know what Christ has done for them, to let them know that there is bad news. But the good news is so good because of it. And the goal, letter B, is to serve Christ and men. Because if, if we're serving Christ, we are serving men. Because if they get the gospel and they understand it and they obey it, what better service is there? 1 Corinthians 9.17 says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. The word dispensation means stewardship. We have a stewardship of the gospel. We are responsible for spreading it. We're responsible for sharing it. We're responsible to get it out there so the church can grow. So that other people can have eternity as well. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am convicted every single time I read that verse. Because every time I read that first part of the verse, I think to myself, can, can anybody say, Matt Brocker is not ashamed of the gospel. I know that. Could, could people say that about you? Could they say, what kind of guy is he? I'll tell you one thing, he's not ashamed of the gospel. 
That's convicting to me. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If we water down the gospel, it loses its power. If we add to the gospel, it loses its power. It serves no one. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul brought the gospel for their sake. He was serving Christ and them. 2 Timothy 1.8 Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. What is the power of God? It's the gospel. Are we willing to suffer ridicule so that the power of God is released in other people's lives? Are we willing to suffer so we can serve Christ so that he can serve others? If we're going to serve the Lord, we have to do it according to his direction, according to his word. Probably won't make us popular. If we're going to reach people with anything other than the simple gospel, we've reached them with something that doesn't have the power to save them. If you take away from the gospel, it's not the gospel. If you add to the gospel, it's not the gospel. And if the gospel isn't the gospel, it's not good news because it can't save. And if we don't open our mouths and start sharing the gospel, then we've gone to our neighbors, we've found them short of the glory of God, and we've left them there. Denny, will you pray? I'm going to sing one more song and we'll wrap it up.